When we share someone's story here on The Diaries, the episode might end, but their story doesn't. So many of the people we've talked to, they've gone on to do incredible things. They have epic adventures and make significant impacts in our community. Over on Diaries Plus, we're catching up with some of our former guests to see what they've been up to. I recently sat down with Connor Ryan, a Lakota professional skier from our Sacred Slopes episode, who's been knocking out groundbreaking projects ever since the episode aired. It's really incredible. We had a great discussion about the impacts he's made, what keeps his fire burning, and taking ski lessons as a pro skier. Here's a snippet of the conversation. All the source of joy that I use to fill my cup to be out in the world doing positive things comes from my relationship to the outdoors. And so I really focused on like, wow, like there's so much power if I can give one person the relationship to the outdoors that that I have through skiing. And maybe that will have as profound of an effect on them as it's had on me. To listen to the full episode, use the link in the show notes to subscribe to Diaries Plus today. Yeah, you get more shows, but you also have a peace of mind of powering what's out there right now, keeping us moving forward, keeping this community together. So thank you for everyone who supported and everyone who's going to support. We appreciate it. Ashley. Hey, Fitz. Are you there? <laughs> yeah. I am. Oh, you're there. How are you doing? It's funny not to do this face-to-face, but we are still in pandemic mode. Are you, are you hanging in there? Yeah. I feel very unsettled, both on a personal level and a collective level. There's just a lot going on. And yeah. the way I see it, a lot of these things don't have this like fast solution. So it means that unsettled feeling might just be here for a while. And maybe that's okay. How about you? So there's there's been a lot going on in my life on a personal level as as well as you know some of some of you know and um thank you for the the well wishes but uh you know 2 weeks ago Becca got in a freak accident riding bikes with Tap and broke her neck and sustained a bunch of injuries to her face and it for for a moment it really seemed like we were going to have you know not not an injury on our hands but kind of like a life altering moment about two days into it we saw these incredible positive changes um you know becca started to be able to move her one arm a lot better she started to get strength back in her hands and things really changed you know they backed off they were going to do a really kind of rugged surgery and they backed off of it and you know we were to get her home after a few days and that's felt really good. So it's like, uh, like I say this, you know, like that there have been a lot of emotions, but overall I think we're, we're doing really well. You know, it's, it's like, we know what we have to do. We have to put in the time. We have to heal Becca. You know, like she's got to take it slow. She's got to take some time off work and, and I'm taking some time away and, and we're, I'm just like with the boys, I'm with her and I'm doing it. And like, I know what I need to do with my life right now. And that makes it easier to just kind of get up and put one foot in front of each other and have purpose and meaning. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that feels good to me and you know it was it was funny like last week somebody said to me well time heals all wounds and i think they were like trying to you know sort of say that nicely mm-hmm. or or whatever and, and i was like thinking about that it seems like it gets a, a lot wrong right wounds don't heal themselves if they're bad enough right mm-hmm. they they require fixing they require time they require hours from a lot of people 
like mm -hmm. someone someone has to go to the hospital they need a paramedic to work on them they need a doctor a nurse a, you know the family's got to be there to help with the care there's a ton of energy that goes into healing somebody and then even on a patient's level like it's like there's an incredible physiological response that's occurring there's a, you know thousands of cells moving around doing this healing the the patient themselves has to sort of provide this willpower and actively heal themselves and that truism that time heals all wounds sort of seems to suggest that healing is passive healing is active and that healing it needs to be lived and it takes time and it can't be an afterthought it takes people deciding to commit the most precious resource they have in life which is their time on this planet to a goal and what happened and what's happening right now in our country like i don't i don't have great words for it i see people making active choices with their time versus just kind of going through and being like well something will work out in the end to the problems in our society of, of racial injustice and and inequality like instead of, the, instead of doing that they're actually like committing the time to do the work and that that really gives me hope it's it's happening in big cities it's happening in small towns and suburbs we're witnessing on the biggest level two or three generations of young americans putting in the work for justice equality democracy and you know hopefully beginning the first steps that really start to realize the promise of our nation hundreds of years after it was founded yeah you're so right fitz it requires a lot of active participation to create big change and to heal. And it's not just about time passing, but you know what we do with that time. And that's sort of one of the themes in today's story. You know, it's really about relationships coming together to take on a big challenge and finding hope that keeps us moving forward. In this case, it's on a, a trail. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for sharing all of that, Fitz. Yeah, no, 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 I mean, it. it thanks for listening, mm -hmm. you know? always right like we say that all the time on the show thanks for listening and and thank you for everyone who's you know out there doing the things putting the work in and helping us heal you got it from here ash i've got it from here okay i'm fitz Cahal. and i'm ashley langholtz you're listening to the dirtbag diaries In the spring of 2004, Ladia Albertson Junkins met her best friend by mistake. She was a senior in high school, warming up at the Minnesota State High School track meet. Fifteen minutes before her race, Ladia realized she forgot her spikes. And so I was running around the gymnasium, which was kind of the staging area before the race, asking everyone I could see if anyone had a size six and a half spike. And Gabe was the only person who offered me her spikes. And unfortunately, they were a little bit too big, so I didn't end up racing in them, but that definitely stuck with me, that she was willing to let me borrow her spikes. Ladia met Gabe Grunewald again that fall. This time, they were teammates, as freshmen on the cross-country team at the University of Minnesota. 
Ladia immediately loved Gabe's energy and optimism. I was very driven by perfectionism, and it came with a lot of stress and anxiety, and I tended to hold myself back because I was so afraid to fail. And meeting Gabe changed all of that for me because her approach was always about trying her best, and she was always all in, no matter what the result ended up being. We really hit it off that fall and pretty much been best friends ever since. In college, Laddie and Gabe were pretty much inseparable. Between cross country in the fall, indoor track in the winter, and outdoor track in the spring, they basically trained year round. In the summers, they sometimes ran in the state park near Ladia's hometown. Even in the off season, they always found something to race. So if you're ever running on trails in the summer in Minnesota, you're trying to outrun the horse flies. And I have distinct memories of us just battling with the horse flies and trying all these different things to keep them at bay. Like we heard somewhere, read somewhere that dryer sheets detract horse flies, so we just stuffed a bunch of them in our ponytails. And But inevitably, they don't leave you alone. So the only way to outrun a horse fly is to just run faster. Um, so a lot of our training runs were kind of these unintended progression runs. We'd end the last couple miles basically running as hard as we could. <laughs> when Laddie and Gay weren't running, chances are they were talking about running. We could talk about running ad nauseum, nonstop, any day of the week, any time of the day, <laughs> and we did. And I had never met another woman who loved running that much and was as dorky about it as I was. So it really felt like the friendship that I had been kind of waiting for my whole life. In the spring of their senior year, Gabe noticed a lump behind her ear. Laddie immediately encouraged Gabe to have it checked out because her stepdad had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and died just a year and a half earlier. So Gabe went to see the doctor. A few days after, Laddie and Gabe were in Arizona for a track meet. They were doing homework in a hotel lobby when the doctor called. She told me it was cancer and I freaked out. I actually screamed out no and I ran out the hotel door and ran down the block crying and then realized what a shitty friend I was being and cried even harder and then walked back to the hotel feeling totally ashamed of how I had responded in that moment of fear for her and how I had put my own fear above her needs. But that also helped me realize that I want to be a friend who shows up in those scary moments and every other kind of moment. The biopsy confirmed adenoid cystic carcinoma, or ACC. Laddie and Gabe spent the night researching on Google. 
seeing those terrifying words like rare, incurable, and survival rates. ACC is a type of cancer known for being treated and then coming back, and oftentimes in other areas of the body. But they decided cancer wouldn't slow them down, and the following day, they raced. She knew that it was very possible it would be her last race of that season, so she resolved to do the best that she could and make the most of this chance she had to race, and she ended up running a personal best that day, as did myself and our other teammate, Elizabeth. We were all in the same race together, and I think she really propelled us forward to run our best that day, too. So she really set the tone from the beginning um, that she wasn't going to let cancer define her. She was going to define her life um, on her own terms. Gabe had the tumor removed, followed by radiation treatments and routine scans every three months after. She got an extra year of eligibility and finished second at Nationals in 2010, landing her a pro contract with Brooks. Not long after, Gabe had another setback when a routine scan found thyroid cancer. But Gabe's optimism and hope were bigger than the health interruptions and fears, so she kept racing and pursuing the things she loved. In 2012, she finished fourth at the U.S. Olympic Trials, missing the Olympic team by one place. And in 2013, she married her partner, Justin. She didn't live like she was dying. She didn't want to live like she was dying. I honestly think it's such a privilege not to have to live like you're dying. And it's so weird, right? Because in our culture, there's all these things about living like you're dying. But that, I think, in reality, is a totally awful way to have to live. Running and racing always helped Gabe feel normal, like herself. Through their love of running, Laddie and Gabe stayed close and pushed each other. For a short time, they even raced together again for Team USA Minnesota. I was doing a lot of the U.S. National Championships on the roads, which those are all across the country. So I was traveling a lot, racing a lot, running a lot. I was just, just exhausted, and I was very burnt out after about a year and a half of that. Ladia gravitated away from starting lines and towards trailheads. She fled to the Rocky Mountain Trails outside of Denver and the desert trails in Utah every chance she could. Some trips involved climbing or hiking, but they always involved running. I just loved being out in mountains, and I think it felt like limitless freedom and exploration and challenge, and a lot like running in that you can make it whatever you want it to be to some degree. So as I was getting burnt out with highly structured and competitive training and racing, the mountains were kind of the antithesis of that for me. In 2015, Ladia and her partner Adam traded in all those weekend trips and moved to Washington. She took full advantage of living close to the Cascade Mountains. She worked full-time and spent most of her free time on the trails. She signed up for 25Ks and half marathons, but only when she felt like it. Ladia met some long-distance running partners, and her distances stretched. In 2016, she joined some girlfriends on a 40-mile run around Oregon's Mount Hood. It was the furthest I had ever run by over 20 miles. The following year, she signed up for her first ultra, a 50K in Bellingham. I won that race, so I qualified for the World Trail Championships, which were in Italy that summer, which was another 50K. And then I was hooked. Despite the distance between them, Laddie and Gabe always made time to be together. 
They took trips with girlfriends and trips with Justin and Adam. Conveniently, Gabe's sponsor was based in Seattle, so time with Brooks also meant time for Gabe and Ladia. And whenever Gabe raced on the West Coast, Ladia was there cheering. In 2016, Gabe's ACC came back, and she had a large part of her liver removed. Laddie went to Minnesota and sat with her in the hospital, again living up to her commitment of being the type of friend who shows up. Gabe took the ups and downs in stride and continued racing. In 2017, another scan revealed multiple inoperable tumors in Gabe's liver. She began experimental treatments and always kept hope for a cure. The following year, she started the Brave Light Gabe Foundation to support rare cancer research and encourage the cancer community to stay active. You know, within the cancer language, we talk a lot about fighting and battles. And for Gabe, I think her biggest battle was always fighting for the things that made her feel alive. And that's what kept her coming back to running at a high level, no matter how many interruptions to her life and training, no matter how tough the news was that she got. It was always coming back to what made her feel alive. In early 2019, Gabe started showing signs of acute liver failure and spent the following months in and out of the hospital. In May, Laddie flew to Minnesota to run the Brave Light Gabe 5K, but Gabe wasn't able to join due to an infection. At that point, the doctors estimated she only had two or three months left. Laddie and Gabe's conversations usually focused on the plans they were making or the dreams they were chasing. They hadn't really talked about death, but as a finish line seemed to appear, they started. You know, I had asked her how she wanted to spend that time. And she had said, I just hope I feel a little bit better. And I want everyone to know that I love them and always will. And I think that sums it all up. You know, like in the end, all that matters is the love. And that's coming from somebody who had dreams of going to the Olympics, but none of that mattered when it really came down to it. Laddie and Gabe talked or texted every day. In the middle of a 50K a few weeks later, Laddie had a feeling something was wrong. Justin had been calling me nonstop because Gabe had gone into septic shock in the middle of that night and they weren't sure she was gonna make it. Nadia raced to the airport and booked a one-way flight back to Minnesota. She stayed beside Gabe for the next 10 days. And that, still to this day, is the greatest gift of my life, to have that time with her. Saying goodbye is such a gift that isn't a given. And so when you have the opportunity, you really have to take it. And it's the hardest thing anybody ever has to do, but it's also the most beautiful and most important, and I think it sticks with you forever. On the morning of June 11th, Ladia booked her flight home for later that evening. I went and said my last goodbye. She was home at that point, not really conscious, but I think souls can sense one another. And my flight departed at 7.52 that evening, the same exact time that she died. and. It feels a little bit like hopefully I was able to accompany her on her final leg of the journey, you know? Ladia spoke at Gabe's funeral the following week. 
As a not-so-subtle reminder of Gabe's personality, Ladia wore a bright sequin jacket that she and Gabe took turns wearing to Taylor Swift concerts. Ladia said goodbye to friends and family and went back to Washington. Rather than slowing down, she set her eyes and heart on Western States, an iconic ultramarathon in the Sierras. I was really looking forward to that only because it would be 100 uninterrupted miles with my best friend and just feeling everything that I needed to feel. Running was really my time to be with Gabe and really to process everything that had happened in the last couple of weeks, but also in the last 10 years. After Western States, things finally slowed down and Ladia's grief caught up to her. That summer, running was a way for me to feel close to Gabe and it also was challenging for me. So I think grief, in addition to these crashing waves of emotions, it can also make us feel apathetic or even kind of dead inside. And I was definitely experiencing that over the summer and just, you know, not taking interest in things that I usually love, like running or being out in the mountains and probably feeling like elements of depression. After Gabe passed, Justin took over the Brave Light Gabe Foundation. In line with its mission of staying active in spite of struggle, he pitched Ladia on going for an FKT, or fastest known time. It's basically a speed record or course record from point A to point B along a given route. So he had asked me on a whim early August if I would want to go for the Timberline FKT. We were already going to be hanging out on that weekend because we were going to a concert together. And I couldn't let him down, even though I didn't want to do the FKT, in all honesty. So I said yes. And I was like, oh, Ladia, why did you do that? But here we go. Resetting the Women's Timberline Trail FKT wouldn't be easy, and Ladia knew it, because she ran that trail with friends in 2016. It circumnavigates the base of Oregon's Mount Hood, it stretches over 40 miles with almost 10,000 feet of gain and loss. Neither Ladia or Justin had ever attempted an FKT before, but they were both strong runners and close friends. And maybe most importantly, they were bonded by their love for Gabe. Justin decided to run with Ladia, even though it would be about 10 miles more than his longest run. Here's Justin. Timberline Trail's not at all. It's slated as like 40 to 42 miles, but when you add in all the obstacles and elevation changes and wrong turns you can take it seems like a lot longer than that. So it was just a way for me to learn if I could go that far and knew Laddie could go that far. But it was a pretty um pretty difficult task to come. Like it was a record people weren't going for because it seemed like a very hard record. The existing women's FKT was seven hours and fifteen minutes, set back in nineteen eighty two by Lynn Harmon. Back then it was an actual race. Ronald Reagan was the U.S. president, and Time Magazine's Person of the Year was the computer. It was also three years before Ladia was born. Since that time, a number of large washouts have changed the trail. The common assumption is that now it's a little longer and a little harder. So theoretically, times would be slower, not faster. The FKT was stout, especially at a time when Ladia felt she didn't have the fitness or heart to chase something so big. But Ladia also knew Gabe would have loved how big the challenge was. Gabe's big thing was never giving up on the things that make you feel alive, no matter what else is going on in your life, especially no matter what kind of hardships you might be going through. And so I 
you know, wanted to honor that. And I also wanted to do it for Justin. You know, if Justin can get himself out the door for a 40 plus mile run around a volcano and he's lost everything, then I certainly can too. On Friday, August 30th, Laddie got in her car and started driving to Oregon. She saw her first sign from Gabe. Gabe had a lucky number and that was 1405. And when I was driving down to Portland, you start to see signs for I-405, which on a sign looks like 1405. After the break, Laddie meets up with Justin and Gabe's sister, Abby, to race around Mount Hood. Stay with us. Support for the diaries comes from Ketone IQ. As I've been getting more and more into longer runs and bike rides, I found myself fighting with my mind. As the miles extend, I feel like my reactions get slower and I make more mistakes, like tripping or falling or just kind of feeling slightly out of sync descending on the bike. On those big days, I've been using Ketone IQ to help my brain keep fueled and sharp. I want to have fun, not bonk. Here's the science. Ketones already exist in your body. When you push up against your boundaries, your body begins to convert stored fat into ketones, which your brain prefers consuming. With Ketone IQ, I feed my brain so my muscles can use the glucose I get from whatever else I eat on the trail. Riders of the Tour de France have been taking the same approach. I am definitely not as fast, but I can apply the same thinking. Give it a try. You save 30% off your first subscription order at ketone.com backslash dirtbagdiaries. Once again, that's ketone.com backslash dirtbagdiaries. The link is in the show notes. Please check it out. Ladia, Justin, and Abby drove to Mount Hood and stayed at a hotel near government camp. On Saturday, they ran around the nearby trails and scouted some of the tricky intersections. Ladia prepped gear, water, and snacks for Abby, who'd be meeting them along the trail. On Sunday, they got up before daybreak and drove to the top spur trailhead. Ladia and Justin stepped onto the trail, wrapped in Pacific Northwest fog. A small post with the words Timberline Trail number 600 marked the starting line. It was early, peaceful, and quiet. Around 6.30, Ladia was ready. She took a big breath, turned on Strava, and launched forward. From the moment we started running, I just felt so good, and it felt so right, and I felt like Gabe is so glad we're here doing this. The trail started in a mossy cascade forest. As they reached treeline, the fog lifted, revealing an expansive view of the morning light over central Oregon and the volcanoes to the south. In the first two hours, they covered about 15 miles. Laddie and Justin rolled in to find Abby waiting with water, energy gels, and a big smile. She had never even heard of a FKT, let alone crewed for one, and she knocked it out of the park. I mean, she was at every stop we had agreed upon, and she had found her way navigating this mountain, first time she had ever been there, and she's also not particularly accustomed to driving in the mountains. So everything just went flawlessly. It was like days like that don't happen often. They were right on time. That is according to the schedule Ladia made for Abby. Here's Abby. This is how detailed Ladia was. 8.15 a.m. Abby arrives at Timberline Lodge, approximately 46-minute drive time. She even gave me ranges like L and J arrived between 8.15 and 8.45 a.m. After we pass, you'll want to head right to the next stop because it'll take about 80 minutes to drive. They kept their break short. 
Abby took Laddie's advice and left right away for the next stop. Laddie and Justin pushed forward toward the southeast side of the mountain. There, the trail wove through green meadows, now glowing in the mid-morning sun. Above, Mount Hood stood in full view, with its snow-capped summit. While they ran, Justin and Ladia shared a set of AirPods. They listened to a playlist of songs that reminded them of Gabe. Ladia found a flow, not looking at her watch or thinking about time or whether or not they would set the new FKT. In part, probably because I didn't think I had a legit shot at it. But then these little signs that kept popping up, I just felt like, okay, well, Gabe's happy, we're doing this, that's all that matters. If the trail's best features are thick forest, expansive views, and glowing meadows, its lesser enjoyed features might be the creek crossings. By now, Ladia sort of knew what to expect, but Justin, not so much. I swear it's literally like every four miles, every time you think your feet are going to dry off, there's another creek crossing. Like it's just constant. Every time you're like, sweet, my shoes are dry, then there's a creek waiting for you. With wet shoes, they ran on. Running north along the east side of the mountain, the trail turned into a moonscape, sandy, rocky, and barren. As they approached Cloud Cap, where Abby was set to meet them one final time, Laddie started to feel nauseous. This wasn't exactly a surprise. She's thrown up in every ultra she's done. But she had hoped today would be different. Justin ran ahead to meet Abby. Alone on the trail, Laddie was doubting herself, vomiting. And I look up and I see this guy videotaping me on his phone. I'm like, oh, well, at least someone's seeing this and getting some entertainment out of it. As he got closer, Laddie recognized him. It was her friend Ty. They met in college when they were both counselors at a running camp in the Steens Mountain in Southeast Oregon. He has had a special place in my life ever since the day I met him. And he met me at a time in my life when I was really struggling after the death of my stepdad. And that summer in particular had turned things around for me. And specifically being at that camp with those people had really turned things around for me. So he really symbolizes that. And for him to be there on that trail in that moment, because it was also my weakest moment of the whole day, turned everything around again. And I just sprinted at him, jumped into his arms, and we like embraced. And I just couldn't believe he was there. It was so awesome. Ty saw Ladia's FKT announcement online and drove over two hours just to try to see her for a few seconds. And it just felt like, Gabe had made this happen because she knew how pivotal working at Steens Mountain Running Camp had been for me those two summers, and in particular this person. So just felt like another sign from her that she's with us and she's digging this and she's lifting us up. Seeing Ty and feeling that Gabe had sent him gave Ladia a boost she needed. Ladia, Justin, and Abby quickly regrouped at Cloudcap. Ladia looked at her watch. It said they'd gone 30 miles, but Justin said 28. So based on hers, she was going to get it with a cushion, but based on mine, it was going to be tight. Abby jumped in the car and raced back to Top Spur. Ladia and Justin bolted onto the final leg of the trail, not knowing exactly how far they had left to go. Eventually, they reached a point they had recognized from scouting the day before. They were about three miles out. 
Ladia sprinted ahead, fueled by adrenaline and hope, and Justin followed. And when I close my eyes, I can still find myself on Mount Hood running behind Ladia. Like, I don't think that'll ever go away. Like that feeling when you really need to take a deep breath and you finally get one in, it's kind of, that's kind of how the whole day was. I come sprinting through Topspur where we had started and I, just for my own peace of mind, I needed to touch this post that I had touched when I started <laughs> to like make it official. And so I come sprinting through there and by this time it's, you know, like early afternoon, there's a ton of hikers out and that's a popular place for people to start their hike. So there's these people milling about and there's this crazy woman just sprinting through and everyone's like, what's going on? Ladia hit the trail post and stopped her watch. Her official time was seven hours, two minutes and 49 seconds. Something that I realized right upon finishing that 7.02.49 times two is 14.05, which that's really, you only have a 30 second window to do that. That's insane. And again, I was at no point was I looking at my watch. I had no idea. Ladia set the new women's FKT, beating the previous time by 12 minutes. Justin made it to the finish moments later. Abby darted through the hikers in the parking lot and on the trail and arrived to find Laddie and Justin at the finish. I just was really happy um, to see, you know, Gabe's best friend and her love of her life, Justin, and me, her sister. We all miss Gabe so much in like different ways, but these three great loves, you know, of Gabe's coming together too make this happen. We really were a team that day. I just felt so happy. I don't even think it came from getting the time. It had just been such a beautiful day and Gabe felt so alive out there and I felt so alive out there, which I hadn't really felt in a while. And that was something that Gabe fought for was that feeling so alive. So, and she's like the reason that I was willing to fight for it too on that day and that's what we got. So it was just really beautiful. Even though the day was far from easy, in many ways it reflected what Gabe had taught Ladia for so many years. Moving through the dark fog out into the sunshine, not knowing if you can do it but giving it your best anyway, taking all 10,000 feet of ups and downs in stride, and focusing on each step rather than the finish line. It's interesting because on the one hand, it was chasing this time goal that spurred the whole adventure, but the adventure itself had nothing to do with achieving that time goal and everything about the pursuits and everything about just trying. And that's what made us feel so alive. And I think that's what made Gabe feel so alive. So it's like I needed that time goal in order to get myself back on the trail. But once I was on the trail, the time didn't matter at all.
think we sometimes think that once we get a quote-unquote expiration date that we would live our lives completely differently. And again, maybe for some people that is true, but it might not be as true as we expect it to be. And if anything, we might even realize that perseverating too much on that finitude of time takes away from how you live your life. When really what you want to do is experience the moment. And that's all we have. Making decisions based on this might be the last time I get to spend with this person. And it's not like a depressing thing at all. It's just, you know, that's what matters most to me is spending time with people I love. And so I feel like knowing that anyone could die at any point helps me prioritize that. Through the FKT, Ladia, Justin, and Abby celebrated and honored Gabe's life and also raised money for the Brave Let Gabe Foundation. I think you find hope when you see people coming together to fight for the same cause. And that cause is more effective treatments for rare cancer patients. But it's the act of coming together and lifting one another up that actually creates and spreads the hope. She didn't want to live like she was dying. And so much of that was deciding to instead focus on hope. And that's something that lasts forever. Thank you, Ladia, Justin, and Abby for sharing your story. You can learn more at bravelikegabe.org. Ladia is still running and is excited to see who tackles the Timberline Trail next. And now I'm super excited to see a woman break seven hours because that's totally doable. And I would also love to help the next woman to do that. So if she's out there listening, hit me up. Music today from Cloud9, Lamolo, Kai Engel, Bradley Carter, John Berry, Cordelia Zars, and Brendan O'Connell. The tracks are courtesy of the artists themselves. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto composed our theme song. You can find the links to the artists at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. This episode was produced by Ashley Langholtz, Becca Cahal, Cordelia Zars, and Jen Alchel. You've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in.